Brian shared with us about the goodness of God and brought out the truth that we really can't bring our ideas of what it means for God to be good to Him. He's the one that defines goodness. He is the standard. He is a good God. Today we talk about God as the God of love. And once again, God defines that for us. And we're going to see that for for God being love, it, it means that He selflessly gives of Himself for the benefit, for the blessing of someone else. We're going to see that that God is love, that love exists between the different persons of the Trinity. That there is love between the Father and the Son, and the Son and the Father. And, and even though the Scripture does not specifically talk about it, surely love between the Father and the Spirit, and the Spirit and the Father, and the Spirit and the Son, and the Son and the Spirit. There is love that exists between the Trinity, and that love breaks out and demonstrates itself toward you and toward me. The Bible pictures you and me as standing in rebellion against God. As if we stand before our Creator with upheld fist. I'm going to do what I want to do. And even in our rebellion, God's love demonstrates itself to us. God wants you and God wants me to see a picture of that love. He wants us to, to, to grasp it. To, to see how deep it is, how high it is, how vast it is. I want to read some verses. You can just listen. That the Apostle Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, talking about God's love. I'll be reading out of a different translation out of the New Living. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the Creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from His glorious unlimited resources, He will empower you with inner strength through the Spirit. Then Christ will make His home in your hearts as you trust in Him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is for us. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life, and power that comes from God. The Apostle Paul understands and understood that, that it is imperative for you and for me to understand as much as we humanly can the love of God. 
We will not love other people until we grasp God's love for us. We will not be gracious with other people until we understand how much we are dependent on His grace. And so the passages that we are going to look at today highlight, they spotlight the love of God to help us all get a picture of this vast love that He has. This selfless giving of Himself for the benefit, for the blessing of others. My youngest son attends the University of North Dakota. He was actually here this weekend. Made a quick trip. The University of North Dakota is probably most famous for its aeronautical program. Pilots from around the country are go to University of North Dakota for training. They have some very high-tech uh, simulators there that uh, some of the airlines actually come in and, and, and utilize. And because it is so well-known for its aeronautical program, uh, many of my son's roommates uh, are pilots. One of the guys that he... Uh, roomed with for a couple of years is now a commercial pilot and I follow Tyler on on Instagram on my phone and and I love it when he posts pictures from the cockpit of the jet and you see this vast earth beneath or a skyline of a city as they approach it is so fascinating to me to see that vantage point the vastness from that plane One of my son's current roommates is also uh, a pilot in training, and his dad is a NASA astronaut named Charles Hobaugh. His dad has flown three uh, missions in uh, in the shuttle to the International Space Station. What it must be like, we see pictures, but what it must be like to be in a shuttle and look down on the earth. The vastness of our universe. And not us just being a speck, but the earth being a, a dot. And the Apostle Paul looks at the love of God and exponentially says how vast God's love is for us. And it's important for us to grasp as much as we humanly can just how much He loves. In fact, it's vital to us living out our Christian life in a day-by-day basis. To understand in our practical, everyday lives the love of God. And so that's what we want to do today, and actually look at the pictures that God provides to us of His love. The first thing that we're going to do is note that God is love. That love exists between the various persons of the Trinity. God's love. And love exists between the Father and the Son, and the Son and the Father. 
To see that, let's begin in the book of 1 John. Remember the little book of 1 John toward the back of your New Testament is about living out the Christian life. Chapters 1 and 2 say walk in the light, meaning walk in fellowship and close communion with Jesus Christ. And then chapters 3, 4, the first part of chapter 5, talk about walking in love. And John makes a point that love is sourced in God. That we cannot love without being properly connected to God. That, that God is our source of love and actually we are to be conduits of that love to others. And so we come in chapter 4 and we see in verse 8 the Apostle John write this. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In the previous verse, John brings out that the source of love is God. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. If I have been born again, if I have put my trust in the person of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of my sin, believing that he is God, that he died for me and rose again from the dead, and I have put my total dependence on him, I then have the capacity to love. And as I walk with him in close communion, as John talks about in chapters 1 and 2, I have the capacity for the God who is the source of love to allow his love to flow through me to other people. He is the source of love. In fact, John puts it this way in verse 8, God is love. Now, John's going to explain that for us. He's going to flesh it out. He's going to show us what that means. That when he talks about God being love, what he means by that is God selflessly gives of himself for the benefit, for the blessing of others. God's love is other-focused. We see that love existing amongst the persons of the Trinity. Remember, God is one, but exists in three persons. He's one in essence, but exists in the person of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We see that love existing from the Father to the Son. For example, back in the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, toward the front of your New Testament, in the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 35, it talks about the Father loving the Son. The Father giving of himself selflessly for the benefit, the blessing of another. Existing even amongst the Trinity. So in verse 35, it says the Father loves the Son. In verse 34, it tells us that the God, that the God the Father sent the Son into the world. In fact, the idea of the Father sending the Son occurs 39 times in the Gospel of John. It's a major theme. It's that, it's that uh, affirmation that the Son is deity. The Father sent the Son... And then in verse 35, it says the Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. Remember, our working definition of love is selfless giving of Himself for the benefit or blessing of another. The Father selflessly gives of Himself to the Son. 
The Father loves the Son and has given all things into His hand. All things under the authority of the Son. Look in chapter 17, verse 24. John 17, 24. Once again, Jesus talking about the love that the Father has for Him. And in verse 24 it says, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me. For you love me before the foundation of the world. This love that the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Father is eternal. And the Father demonstrates his love for the Son in the fact that it explains that the Father gave the Son glory. Remember our working definition. God's love means that he selflessly gives of himself for the benefit for the blessing of another. So the Father loves the Son. Look with me over at John chapter 14, verse 31. John 14, 31. As we see, the Son loves the Father back. But so that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. You see... The Son demonstrates His love for the Father through obedience, through selflessly giving of Himself, ultimately obedience that leads Him all the way to the cross. So the Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father, and we can infer from Scripture, though we don't see passages that talk about it, that that same love that the Father has for the Son and the Son has for the Father exists between the Father and the Son and the Spirit and the Spirit and the Father and the Son. The love of God exists amongst the persons of the Trinity. Now that's a fundamental truth for us that God wants us to see. Because it has bearing for you and for me. Have any of you purchased a DVD player recently, or a Blu-ray, or maybe a new wireless router for your house? Inside of the box, you will probably still find a set of technical directions. Descriptions of things like DMI and HDMI and cables and ports. I get lost in that stuff. What I look for is the single sheet of paper that's colored that has pictures on it. And you open it up and say, okay, here's a blue cable and here's a blue hole. I'm going to put that in there. And here's the other end and it goes in here and it works. That's what I need. I need a picture. And that's what God gives the world. He gives us a picture of his love. We're going to see that ultimately he gives us a picture of how much he loves us in his son going to the cross for us. But he even gives us a picture of this love that exists amongst the Trinity. Remember in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it talks about the fact that we have been created in God's image. That as humans, we are to be image bearers of God. And we can see in Scripture that that 
that relationship between us and God as his representatives here on earth can extend to government and it can, can extend to the workplace and church and the home. That, that as Christians, as followers of Jesus, our homes are to be pictures of the love of God. One of the, one of the ways we see that is within Christian marriage. Think about the fact that love exists between the Father and the Son and the Son and the Father. Two persons, one in essence. Think about God's picture of husband and wife. Two separate beings that come together in one, in one essence. And God's pattern for marriage is for the husband to selflessly give of himself to the wife. And for the wife to selflessly give of herself to the husband. You see, that's not what the world says. Our world around us says, hey, husband, you need to do what makes you happy. Hey, wife, you need to do what makes you happy. And what all that does is pull two people apart. But God's pattern is for the husband to do what builds up his wife and for the wife to do what builds up her husband. And that demonstration of love, of looking for the best in the other, actually demonstrates it mirrors the love that exists between the Trinity. Two persons, one in essence. The Father loves the Son, the Son loves the Father. In marriage, two persons, one in essence. The husband selflessly giving of himself to the wife. The wife selflessly giving of himself to the husband. What a testimony. What a picture. We can be portraying to a world who's lost in darkness with the light provided by the love of God in our home. Now, that picture that God provides of love doesn't extend just to us being His image bearers. He gives us a vivid picture of the love that exists between the Father and the Son and the Son and the Father as that love breaks out of the Trinity toward you and toward me in the person of Jesus Christ. Remember, the Bible pictures us is standing with closed fists before God. Remember some of those verses in in Romans chapter 3 that kind of talks about our hearts Romans 3 really spells it out. It says, there's none righteous, not even one. There's none who understands. There's none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they've become useless. There's no one who does good. There's not even one. And the biblical picture is of us like, I'm going to do what I want to do. You know how much God loves you and God loves me? He took his one and only son, sent him to earth, born of a virgin, so that as a 100% man, a 100% God, he could live a sinless life and pay the penalty for your sin and my sin by dying for us in our stead. That's a picture of love. Think about what some of the passages of the New Testament say. Back in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, it says, And this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That's a big word that simply means that God is completely without sin. He is a right judge. He can't just overlook sin. Our sin deserves his wrath. But he takes all of his wrath towards sin and pours it out on his own son. And his son's death satisfies the righteous wrath of God. That's what propitiation means. That's how much he loves you. That he took my penalty and your penalty and put it on his son. Romans chapter 5 verse 8. Another beautiful verse that talks about that love. Reg read it earlier this morning. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And the neat thing about that verse, one of the neat things is that in the Greek language, when it says God demonstrates, it's present tense. It, It carries the idea that God continues through the death of his son, on your behalf and my behalf, he continues to give us a picture of his love. We need a picture. What better picture can we have of the love of God than God sending his one and only son? You see, what happens today, we hear it all the time. People say things like, how can a loving God allow that little child to be ill? This past Thursday night, I had the privilege of of hearing Doug Oberman speak. Doug is a Rotarian. He lives up in Cedar Falls as an attorney. And in the mid-1940s, was struck with a severe case of polio that left him without the use of his hands and his legs and could not breathe on his own and still needs help uh, with a, a unit to help him uh, breathe. And people would look at his life and say, how could a loving God do that? And yet this man went through law school at the University of Missouri totally by memorizing everything that he heard. And now he is a spokesman to help eradicate polio. And he stood before, sat in a chair before us and and said, you know, people think I have it so bad. Or people will say, how could a loving God allow somebody to go to hell? You see, what we do is this. When Barbara and I got married, some people gave us a bread box. It's old school. It has like a a roll top front on it like you would on a roll top desk. It's not real stylish anymore. We keep it in our closet, but we still put bread in there. But... It's like a bread box that's made for 1983 when we got married. It, a, a loaf of Wonder Bread would fit great in there. But you can't really go and get like a rustic round or a big long French loaf. Uh, it just won't fit in the box. So instead of us getting a new box, we just have to cut stuff to make it fit. That's what we do with God. If we don't understand something, instead of accepting the fact that Pastor Brian shared with us last week that we don't bring our idea of goodness to God, God is good. 
we, we try to chop it up to make God fit our idea of what good is or what love is. Instead of recognizing how fast He loves us. The vastness, the depths, the height, the breadth, the width of His love. That when I stood there with my fist toward Him, He would actually still send His Son for me. Who would do that? See, John wants us to see that love because we can't live out the Christian life the way we should apart from understanding the love of God. We can't love others until we understand His love. We can't be gracious with other people until we realize how much grace we've received. And so the New Testament charges us to look at this love, this vast love, and then to replicate it, to allow the love that's sourced only in God to be lived out through us. First of all, we're charged to love God, and then we're charged to love each other. We're to be imitating God's love by loving God and other people. So, for example, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, John writes, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. Just like Jesus said, I want to demonstrate my love for the Father through obedience. Here, John tells us that's how we show love for the Father too, through our obedience to Him as we respond to his love for us. And then John says, we also respond to this picture of God's love as demonstrated to us in sending Jesus by loving each other. Look at chapter 4, verse 11 of 1 John. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Down in verse 17, we love because he first loved us. Isn't it sometimes hard for us to love somebody else? Oh, it's easy to love someone who's lovable. But how about loving somebody who hurts us? In fact, we know and they know that they hurt me on purpose. It was willful. Boy, am I supposed to love that person? Am I supposed to selflessly give of myself for their blessing and their benefit? One of the things that I have often thought about as a parent, as I have, especially when my children were still in our home and would do something willful against me, How could you do that? You know the right response, and you chose not to. Isn't it interesting to ask ourselves the same question? Have I ever done that with God? Have I ever known the right thing and then chose to ignore it? Well, yeah. Way more than my kids have ever done with me. And yet, he still loved me. In fact, I stood there with my fist toward the heavens in my heart. 
And he still sent his son for me. To die for me. And I can look at my brother or sister in law and say, they hurt me on purpose. Why should I love them? Did I ever hurt my heavenly father on purpose? Yeah. And his love still abounds toward me. So much so, that ultimate picture of his love is Jesus who hung on that cross for my sin. How can I not show that same love to my brother or sister in the Lord? You see, God eternally demonstrates his love in giving of himself. That love is existent amongst the Trinity, as the Father loves the Son, and the Son loves the Father. And he wants us to see a picture of that. As his image bearers, those of us who are followers of Jesus, can be demonstrating, giving the world around us a picture of that love. In our family units, as we love our spouse. In our workplace, as we work heartily as unto the Lord, not just as an eye pleaser to our boss. In our church, as we yield to Jesus' leadership. And ultimately we see a picture of that love as Jesus gave himself for you and for me. Thus John wrote, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another.